As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. President Trump nominated a mainstream conservative jurist to the Supreme Court last night, and the resist movement is losing their minds. 25 years after the Soviet Union's collapse and the end of the Cold War, Americans are still paying for the defense of Europe. And free traders promised economic Armageddon if tariffs were placed on China. But Monday, the Dow rose by another 150 points. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes, and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirstRadio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. Then you can share it with your friends, start an argument, weigh in on the conversation, and you'll all get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. And America First Radio is proudly carried on the Talk America Radio Network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio, and now on the Dash Satellite Radio Network, on the Mojo 5.0 station, and you can listen to uh, our live feed uh, there or at talkamericaradio.us. And America First Radio is broadcast each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern on Talk America affiliates in Florida and Georgia. If you miss a broadcast, though, you can always listen on demand. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory or go directly to our website at americafirstradio.com where you'll find all of our archives. Well, I want to start the show by acknowledging um, this uh, this great blessing that we uh, observed out of Thailand, where these uh, these twelve boys and their coach on the soccer team have all been rescued safely from uh, from this impossible situation uh, deep inside that cave on the the northern border of Thailand. There, and after um, after two years of uh, of really. Uh, the steady drumbeat of bad news out of the American media and the uh, the crazed leftists and the Democrat Party. Uh, this, this story was uh, really just in time and reminds us all, um, you know, the uh, the resourcefulness uh, and um, capability of people when they um, put their mind to a common cause. And uh, how they can overcome just overwhelming odds. If you had told anybody um, last week, uh, last Friday, uh, that these uh, these divers, this international team of divers that included sort of a uh, um, a, a, a quickly assembled team of international divers and uh, Thai Navy frogmen, if, if you had told people that they were going to get all of those boys out uh, by Tuesday afternoon and they were all going to be uh, safe and sound, very f- few people would have believed you. And, uh, and this is, uh, is going to be the inspiration, uh, inspirational story that's going to be uh, repeated on uh, TV for, um, for many, many days to come. There will be, of course, a, a movie made of this. We'll learn more about the specifics involved, and Hollywood put, will put its own, own uh, dramatic spin on it. But it's really, uh, this is one of those situations where um, the reality of it uh, is even more amazing uh, than, than anything that a Hollywood writer uh, could, could uh, put together. I'm going to play you sort of a long clip right here. This is from the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation reporting on the rescue of these boys over in Thailand. Now we've got some great news to bring you from the Thai cave. We're hearing that all of the children and their coach have now been rescued from that cave. And now the uh, final thing that needs to be done is that the uh, doctor and the three uh, Navy SEAL divers who have been with 
those kids and their coach since they were discovered in order to make sure that they stayed safe just need to be brought out now. So uh, there is the announcement confirming this news. 12 boars and coaches leave the cave and everyone is safe. Hooyah. So those uh, 12 children, the young footballers and their coach are all out safe. They will be taken to hospital and reunited with their family. Uh, a government official previously said that the... F well, they all have been removed, including those, uh, those three divers and one medical uh, doctor that stayed uh, with the boys inside that, uh, that cavern where they were, were trapped. They were the last ones to leave. Uh, again, just a fantastic story um, that uh, that brought a, a needed relief uh, to this constant uh, conflict and tension uh, that is uh, the Trump era because of the uh, the total um, refusal of the left and the Democrats to uh, to come to their senses. But but uh, you know uh, Trump likes to. Um, likes to provoke them and uh yesterday he sent a compilation of uh that somebody had put together of uh, all of the trump doubters and, uh, and the naysayers that said he would absolutely never get elected and it uh it's it it's a good uh uh segue into uh the nomination of of uh brett kavanaugh as the next supreme court justice and in the run-up to the uh, November elections because it reminds us one uh, how the media and the Democrats and all of the establishment told us that there was no possible way that Trump would ever win and they're back again saying that that uh, that there's going to be a blue wave to wash away all of uh, the Republicans in the Congress and uh, and open uh, the president up for impeachment there's no more reason to believe them now as we should have believed them there but uh, Trump uh, really uh, tweaked them when he sent out this uh, uh, this uh, video compilation on his Twitter. I am officially running for president of the United States. Could he actually win? No freaking way! Which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Donald Trump. I'm sorry, I never get tired of hearing this. President Donald Trump. Trump will not be president. Trump will never be elected president of the United States. You're not going to be president. A man right? who will never be president of the United States. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. He will never be president. Donald Trump is not going to become president of the United States. She's at plus 19. Do you think the tapes made a difference? Of course! They made all! Difference. This race is over. Hillary Clinton has raised more than double Donald Trump, vastly outspending him. The presidency at about 89% for Hillary Clinton. Uh, your analytical model has uh, never been wrong. Now projects Hillary Clinton to win presidential election. 100% chance. You still think she has 100% chance of winning the election? Mm. I do. And what would Donald Trump have to do to turn things around? Prayer and hope for a Festivus miracle. <laughs> this is CNN's coverage of election night in America. The fight for the presidency. Because we don't care. Oh, okay, how Kentucky? Who cares? Kentucky, don't no, care about in Indiana. Don't care. Indiana with West Virginia, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, Kansas, Nebraska, and Wyoming with its vote North Dakota and South Dakota, Texas. Uh, up and down the middle of the country, all red. Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, Missouri. Yes. It was at 80% an hour ago for Clinton. What is it now? 68%. Okay, I... Damn it, I'm nervous. Ohio. Oh, 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 hold, hold. Ohio, gone. Idaho. Okay. Yeah, I don't see a slide here. I don't see it at all. North Carolina. God, we need Florida. Are you kidding me? Florida. Panic time. New Georgia. Donald Trump, now the favorite to win the president's. Iowa. New York Times now has it at. 95% chance. Utah. Can still win, but in order to do so, she has to win Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> Arizona. Alaska. Pennsylvania. Michigan. What Florida. a night. Uh, what a night. What a night. You know, uh, I, I wanted to run that just to remind everybody, uh, you know, how we dodged a bullet and not getting Hillary Clinton 
as the uh, the next president when she would have been the one to make these two Supreme Court uh, appointments. And the United States of America would be ruled uh, for the rest of most of our lives by a uh, an activist left wing court that started from the premise of what they uh, what social and uh, cultural changes they wanted to make to the United States, and then worked backwards from there for a legal justification uh, to support that. Instead of putting strict constructionists on the court that uh, will uh, read the Constitution and apply it to uh, the matters before them without being activists. We would have uh, had the 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 a permanent judicial tyranny uh, that that would have transformed finished the transformation that Obama began of the United States into a uh, a, a Western European style social model, and I I believe uh, because of our huge uh, third world immigration would have ultimately resulted. And the United States becoming a failed state similar similar to Venezuela and Nicaragua or Cuba. Because they would have opened the uh, the borders wide open to uh, to cement their electoral lock on the 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 uh, United States government. But uh, but because Trump won, we have this uh, this fresh opportunity. Um to uh, to impose um, a, uh, a a Supreme Court that will go by uh, the limited uh, powers that the founders envisioned and force the legislative branch to do its work if they want to uh, to institute laws uh, that are you know not yet on the books we've basically been for the about the last 20 years having a uh, a left-wing activist judiciary impose policies on us that most of the country doesn't believe in when we come back we'll talk more about this appointment of brett kavanaugh to the uh, supreme court right after these messages on america first radio So last night, uh, the president nominated Brett Kavanaugh, a 53-year-old Catholic who uh, was uh, raised in Washington, D.C. and the surrounding suburbs, who uh, is a double uh, graduate from Yale University. He did his undergraduate and his law degree there. Uh, He served in the George W. Bush administration um, and married married the uh, personal secretary to George W. Bush. They have two uh, young daughters. He's, uh, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, 53 years old. And uh, he's just a solid, sort of unremarkable conservative jurist that has, uh, you know, been very restrained in his ruling and hewed closely uh, to the text of uh, both the Constitution and uh, statute. And uh, to hear the left's response to this, which was really baked in the cake before he was uh, Kavanaugh was ever even appointed. You would think uh, that this was the end of um, our constitutional republic. That 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 this guy was going to usher in a era of authoritarianism, and we were going to have um, you know brown shirts in the street rounding people up. They're, they're actually using the terms of uh, concentration camps. And, and other terms, and uh, and they're doing everything they can to whip their base up into a frenzy. They're being very successful about it. And it's just totally out of line with the, the actual reality of, of uh, who, in fact, they've appointed here or, they've nom- or the president has nominated. The truth is Kavanaugh is a, a nominee straight out of central casting. Uh, Donald Trump did not 
um, you know, go with an outsider as he did uh, with um, uh, his previous appointment, uh, Gorsuch. He uh, he picked a uh, an insider's insider. I actually have some concerns about uh, this guy Kavanaugh being so closely aligned with the Bushes, but I will have to defer to the president that he made sure that that wasn't going to be an issue. I actually supported uh, supported the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. I thought that that would have been a, a, a great uh, Trumpian type pick, uh, somebody who you know wasn't from the Ivy League that uh, didn't come up through the D.C. Court of Appeals um, that was more um, sort of mainstream, um, you know, uh, norm, normal Americans as opposed to a beltway uh, type of establishment uh, insider. And I thought that uh, the nomination of uh, Amy Barrett would really uh, illustrate uh, the difference between sort of normal America and uh, and what the uh, the leftists uh, thought that, you know, a jurist on the Supreme Court should be. And I hope, um, you know, if uh, if the president builds his uh, majority during these upcoming midterm elections uh, and uh, he gets an opportunity to replace another um, Supreme Court justice. And I'm uh, just looking at Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You, you wonder if, she, you know, if she's going to. Uh, be able to uh, hold on much longer, but I would love uh, for his next appointment, if there is one, to be Amy Coney Barrett. But this guy Kavanaugh, he's uh, he's straight out of Central Casting. He's got a very attractive uh, family. Uh, he's apparently, you know, a a, a devout uh, Catholic and and good family man. Uh, he's got a long written history on the court. He's been on the D.C. Court of Appeals for. Uh, a dozen years, I think actually 13 years. So they're going to, you know, they're going to uh, go over him with a fine tooth comb and, uh, and they'll, they'll try to make uh, something out of everything. But the truth of the matter is the harder the leftists fight, uh, the worse it's going to be for them because uh, just like Gorsuch, there's really very little to oppose with Kavanaugh, even, even his, uh, his more moderate and liberal uh, colleagues on the bench uh, speak highly of him and, and his uh, political in- intellect. Here he is last night um, accepting uh, the president's nomination, uh, s- just giving a little taste on how he views his role as a, pr- a Supreme Court justice. My judicial philosophy is straightforward. A judge must be independent and must interpret the law not make the law. A judge must interpret statutes as written, and a judge must interpret the Constitution as written, informed by history and tradition and precedent. Won't that be a, a breath of fresh air uh, for the the uh, Supreme Court to hew closely to that? You know, Kennedy, for the longest time, was the swing vote. Um, there were four conservative jurists and, uh, and three and four liberal jurists and uh, Kennedy came down on the side of the conservatives when it came to, you know, matters uh, involving, oh, um, corporate uh, rights and, um, and free speech. But he came down on the liberal side of the court when it came to these cultural issues uh, that really can be found nowhere in the Constitution. He uh, was happy to find some sort of justification to uh, to support what he really wanted to do, like I would argue the the other liberal jurists. But uh, as I mentioned, the left is just absolutely melting down uh, with this. They had uh, they had gathered outside the Supreme Court building with uh, with their signs at the ready. Um, depending on who the president nominated, uh, they were prepared to oppose any of the nominations. And it was pretty clear that uh, there were four finalists. So they had signs printed for all four finalists and then passed them out quickly uh, so that they could, uh, they could start their street theater. And then all of the, um, the leftist senators uh, rushed to the microphone to, uh, to condemn the nomination. Here's a, here's a little bit of that. Kavanaugh, all 
dangerous man who will endanger our fundamental freedoms. This just must not become the next justice on the Supreme Court. And what that will take is all of us fighting as hard and as long as we can. I am not going to kid anybody. This is a tough fight, but it is a fight that we can win. Now, this behavior on behalf of the Democrat senators is deeply irresponsible. Uh, first of all, they're totally mischaracterizing who this man is, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. He is not uh, some radical uh, outside of the mainstream jurist. He is uh, thoroughly within the, the um, judicial traditions of this country. And by you know leading their followers, who are already sort of a, an unstable group of leftists, to believe that there's a possibility that they're going to stop this nomination and that th- that it is absolutely necessary to do so because this man fate uh, this man represents some sort of uh, threat to our democracy is so irresponsible especially in light of uh, the kind of violence we have seen from the left uh, you know in the Trump era Bernie Sanders actually tweeted out if Brett Kavanaugh is confirmed to the Supreme Court, it will have a profoundly negative impact on workers' rights, women's rights, and voting rights for decades to come. We must do everything we can to stop this nomination. Now, remember that uh, a Bernie Sanders campaign worker got so whipped into a frenzy by this Marxist senator from Vermont, that he took a high-powered, high-capacity, semi-automatic rifle uh, to the GOP uh, baseball practice and attempted mass murder on Republicans. Bernie rushed to the microphone after it became uh, public knowledge that uh, this guy was a Bernie bro and a campaign worker and said that uh, he condemns all violence and he had nothing to do with it. But now you got the same Bernie Sanders uh, vilifying a very uh, middle-of-the-road nominee to the Supreme Court and saying we must do everything we can to stop this nomination. Almost as if he is um, trying to incite further violence. Certainly, in light of what happened with James T. Hodgkinson attacking those uh, attempting mass murder on the Republican congressman, you would think that he want, would want to temper his language and be a bit more adult about this. But no, he's pulling out all the stops and telling his unstable Marxist followers, we must do everything we can to stop this nomination. I think it was um, uh, Elizabeth Warren, another unhinged leftist, tweeted out, the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh will threaten the lives of millions of, of Americans for decades to come and will morph our Supreme Court into a political arm of the right-wing Republican Party. Will threaten the lives of millions of Americans for decades to come. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the only... The only conclusion you can draw from this overheated language is that these people are trying to whip up a mob and create violence. You know, there was no, they, they promised uh, there, there were going to be deaths when Gorsuch was appointed. There were none. They promised when Samuel Alito was appointed that it was going to result in deaths. But never have they said that it was going to threaten the lives of millions of American people for decades to come. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll hear uh, some of the uh, comments on MSNBC about this nomination right after these messages on America First Radio.
so the leftist organizations were sitting on go, ready to oppose anybody that the president uh, nominated. And uh, and it was really telling one group, uh, the so-called uh, liberal uh, women's march, uh, those of the pussyhat fame, uh, uh, led by uh, Linda Sansour, the uh, Sharia law-believing Muslim, <laughs> who's got all of these, uh, these so-called feminists following her around uh, like she's got a ring in their nose. Unbelievable. Well, they, uh, they were ready for this, uh, this nomination, and as soon as Trump uh, made his, uh, his announcement, uh, the Women's March uh, sent out a, a press release uh, calling the uh, the nominee patriarchal and a white supremacist and and other you know of these uh, these leftist uh, insults and slurs they like to uh, they like to toss about. But there's only one problem. They didn't look very closely at the uh, the announcement, the press release that they sent out to hundreds and hundreds of journalists because where there was supposed to be a name, there were just X's. So they were ready to fill in the name of whoever uh, Trump nominated, and they accused of being a white supremacist and a threat to our democracy uh, just by inserting the name of whoever uh, he nominated. <laughs> they uh, Later in the evening, they sent out an updated version with Kavanaugh's name and, uh, uh, in place of those, those X's, but, uh, but it really tells you you know what they're about. This is the so-called resist movement, where they're going to just uh, uh, try to oppose anything that this president um, offers. Because as we, uh, as you heard in that clip um, at the top of the last segment, they cannot accept uh, that they were so wrong and that uh, that uh, Trump is their president. But uh, this, the, the dynamics of this are shaping up so nicely for the upcoming midterm elections uh, because it is going to force uh, a lot of these Democrat senators in, uh, in red states to either uh, vote against their party, at which point the, uh, the new uh, socialist wing of the Democratic Party will go after them uh, with, uh, with long knives, or uh, in order to try to hold on to their seat— They'll have to vote to confirm this uh, this nomination. Here is uh, Robert Costa appearing on Chris Matthews' Hardball last night, talking about this uh, this battle um, that is uh, facing these red state Democrat senators. Robert Costa, I think uh, that Trump is playing this not just to rule the, the uh, Supreme Court for the next 40 or 45 years, as he puts it, because he could well do that. If Ginsburg retires next year or later, he could still grab three seats altogether and make it six to three, and overwhelmingly a right-wing court. My question is, is he also using this as a political tool to destroy the political future of people like Heidi Heidkamp out in North Dakota, of Joe Manchin in West Virginia, of Joe Donnelly in Indiana, and possibly end the, or shorten the career of Doug Jones down in Alabama by saying, vote your state or vote your party. Well, it's a lot more than that. It's McCaskill in, in um, Missouri. It's uh, Bill Nelson here in Florida. Um, there are there are a ton more senators that are really on the bubble here that if they uh, if they vote against this, uh, this middle of the road Supreme Court nominee are going to expose themselves as being tools of the leftists, uh, the more more radical elements of the Democrat Party. Here's Costa's response to Chris Matthews. You choose, and I'll kill you either way. Your thoughts? The poking and prodding of these red state Democrats politically starts today. You saw it in the invitations, Chris, from the White House that went out to those four red state Democrats. They all declined to go. So did moderate Republican Susan Collins of Maine. And the minute this, this person's announced tonight... You'll see the Judicial Crisis Network and other conservative groups put millions of dollars on the airwaves to try to pressure these red state Democrats running in states won by Trump to back the nominee. It's going to be a beautiful thing to watch, the, the, whether or not Tester and Heidkamp and uh, McCaskill and Donnelly choose to go down with the ship uh, and increase the Republican majority in the Senate in order to uh, to avoid recriminations from the uh, the new radical left wing of the Democrat Party.
it's not new. They've always been there, but they, they've never been in the driver's seat before like they are now. Ruth Marcus is a columnist for the Washington Post. She was also on that same hardball show. And here's how she responded to this, uh, this whole dynamic for the red state Dems. So the politics are really clear. You have to be able to um, get to a majority of votes against the nominee. And the only way you're going to get to that 51. is if you peel off if you peel off the Republican senators who declined wisely, I think, the White House's nomination tonight. I will be stunned if it's one of the two folks, Kavanaugh or um, Hardiman, if they end up voting against them. If that is true, why would Democrats um, in uh, those red states sort of go on the suicide, political suicide mission. Why would um, Chuck Schumer, the leader, want them to go on the suicide mission? Pay attention give you to your prospects. I'll give you a reason. Pay attention to your prospects for... Ocasio-Cortez, um, because the leadership is going to be trashed if they let this go by them. The leadership is going to be trashed. So Schumer uh, and Tom Perez over at the DNC are going to be trashed if if uh, Tester and Donnelly and uh, McCaskill and Heidkamp do what is necessary to hold on to their seats, not to mention Doug Jones and and uh, and Bill Nelson, so uh, in this this uh, losing strategy of n the new uh, leftist purity, they're going to demand political suicide from their senators uh, or they're going to uh, or they're going to retaliate against them. Uh, Ruth Marcus points out that, you know, if they're able to hold on to um, both uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, the uh, the liberal Republican senators, uh, then there would be no reason uh, to to vote against the nomination because it's going to pass anyway. Way. But you can bet uh, that they will suffer recriminations from uh, from this uh, this new leftist uh, uh, Democrat Party. I'm going to play you a clip now. This is Rachel Maddow uh, last night on her MSNBC show talking about uh, what what this nomination of Kavanaugh means. Uh, on the D.C. Circuit Court where he sits now, Brett Kavanaugh all these years has served under the chief judge of that court, of uh, that circuit, Merrick Garland. Uh, who, of course, was nominated in the spring of 2016 to fill the seat left vacant by the death of Antonin Scalia, nominated by President Barack Obama. Because he was nominated by President Obama, Republicans in the Senate would not allow a hearing on Judge Garland's nomination. They cited uh, the election coming later that year. Um, well, it was not really the reason that he was nominated by Barack Obama or that it was an election year, although those were the justifications given by Mitch McConnell. The truth of the matter is they didn't give him a hearing because they had the votes. They controlled the Senate, and all they had to do was hold on for another six months, and they would get that nomination. The Democrats would have done exactly the same thing. So anytime you hear these, uh, these uh, uh, crying and carrying on about poor Judge Garland didn't get a, uh, didn't get a hearing, just remember that uh, that is the way the Constitution set this up. The president gets to nominate. And the Senate gets to confirm. And if the Senate doesn't want to confirm, there's no real reason to give them a hearing because they, they are not going to vote to confirm him. Um, back to this clip with Matt L's rant. Close observers will note there is also an election coming later this year. But nobody knows if Democrats will be able to apply the same standard this time. Uh, I know if they'll be able to apply the same standard this time. The answer is no. Because they do not have the votes in the Senate to uh, impose that standard. To wait on uh, hearings on Brett Kavanaugh until after the election, um, the way the Republicans applied that standard last time. Democrats will apparently try for that. Um, but This woman is um, respected. She is a thought leader, an opinion leader on the left. And she can't even just uh, understand the basic workings of a majority rule democracy. And the, the uh, checks and balances that are set up in the U.S. Constitution. If you have a majority, you are not required to confirm the nominee in order to, uh, to definitely uh, get your guy on the court. You've got to build a majority, and you're not going to build that majority if all the 
uh, majority in the Senate has to do to get their own nominee in is wait six months. They're not in power, and we don't know if they'll be able to pull it off. And just consider for a second the snapshot here. The president's first national security advisor has pled guilty to a felony charge. He's going to appear in person in federal court tomorrow because a federal judge is about to hold a hearing. on. Because he was framed by uh, the, uh, the FBI and the DOJ to try to cover up for the fact that they interfered and tried to subvert a presidential election the start of his sentencing process. The president's campaign chairman is now three and a half weeks into solitary confinement in a federal jail. He is a political prisoner being prosecuted on a charge that he never would have been prosecuted on had he not been associated with the Trump campaign. But these leftists who are supposed to be civil libertarians are perfectly happy if we've got political prisoners in this country that are held in solitary confinement as long as it... Uh, you know, uh, feeds into their bogus narrative. Nothing that Manafort is charged with uh, would have ever been charged if he had not been associated with Trump. While he awaits the start of two federal trials on multiple felony counts, the president... None of them connected to the campaign. His longtime personal lawyer has just secured the legal services of one of President Clinton's lawyers from his impeachment fight in the 90s, while federal prosecutors mull criminal charges against him. Also, criminal charges on nothing to do with the campaign. They are going after him uh, to try to get him to compose something that they can use against the president of the United States to avoid charges on, um, on fraudulent uh, taxi medallion uh, business dealings in, in Manhattan. And while he is widely reported to be considering cooperating with those prosecutors in a potential plea deal, if the president ends up himself in the crosshairs of the ongoing special counsel. If he ends up in the crosshairs, he is in the crosshairs. They've been they've had him in his crosshairs for going on two years now and have found absolutely nothing except for this ginned up deep stake uh, Russia collusion hoax that uh, has totally fallen apart on them investigation any number of the elements of his defense may end up before the u.s supreme court and therefore potentially before the nominee he has named tonight can the president be subpoenaed to testify before a grand jury can a president be no the president can't be subpoenaed because the president controls the executive branch and if he ignores the subpoena there's nothing that can be done to him the recourse and anybody that understands the constitution knows the recourse for misbehavior on the president is impeachment and removal from office, at which time then you can pursue criminal charges. But unless you've got an impeachable, um, well, you don't even have to have an impeachable offense. They can impeach him because they don't like his hair color if they want to. But in order to do that, they've got to get a majority in the House in order to um, uh, to indict or to impeach, and then you got to get two-thirds in the Senate, neither of which... Looks like it's going to happen in this upcoming uh, mid-cycle election. Criminally indicted. Can the president pardon himself? Can yes. the president pardon others if the goal of those pardons is to... to yes. The president's pardon power, despite, um, you know, Maddow's breathlessness, is, uh, is unlimited. He can pardon himself. He can pardon others. It's in the Constitution. Read it. Got to run out to a break. Be right back. Well, it's been more than 25 years since the Soviet Union collapsed and the former uh, satellite nations of Russia were allowed to go their own ways. Uh, and they, uh, they folded the Warsaw Pact that was their mutual defense alliance that was uh, supposed to be, uh, you know, the counterpart to NATO. And 25 years later, the United States, taxpayers of the United States are still paying to uh, house hundreds of thousands of uh, troops in Europe and uh, including, um, you know, uh, nuclear uh, weapons. And, uh, and we're on the hook, not only for the, you know, the former um, nations of, uh, of NATO, but now 
um, the former members of the Warsaw Pact, including these tiny little nations in the Baltics, like Macedonia and uh, and Latvia, and uh, and these these tiny little countries with with uh, with defense budgets really the size of a a good size uh, American police department. We're on the hook for their defense. In other words, we've got to go to war with Russia if if um, if NATO, I mean, if uh, if Latvia or Estonia or some of these other tiny Baltic countries uh, gets into a beef with Russia, we're the tripwire. We're guaranteed giving them war guarantees, which is liable to make them miscalculate uh, in their dealings with Russia and and suck us into a war. But 25 years later, we're still over in Europe providing a defense umbrella for those countries. Now, keep in mind the boogeyman, and this is one of the reasons why you see them continuing to try to vilify uh, Vladimir Putin at every turn. The boogeyman of Russia, uh, Europe has a population seven times larger than Russia. It has a GDP that is 10 times larger than Russia. Why is the American taxpayer responsible for the defense of these wealthy European nations? When, especially when they're not paying the 2% that they've committed to in order to be a member of the NATO alliance. And at the same time, uh, the president uh, said the other day, we're the schmucks paying for all of this. At the same time, we're being played for schmucks. These European countries are giving uh, universal health care, housing allowances, a generous welfare state, and 30 days guaranteed vacation paid every year. You're damn right we're schmucks. Here's Trump at uh, at that uh, campaign rally he held in Great Falls, Montana, uh, the other night. And we go away on Monday. We appoint and go away, and I'll see lots of people. I'll see NATO, and I'm going to tell NATO, you got to start paying your bills. The United States is not going to take care of everything. We're paying for anywhere from 70 to 90% to protect Europe, and that's fine. Of course, they kill us on trade. They kill us on other things. They make it impossible to do business in Europe, yet they come in and they sell their Mercedes and their BMWs to us. So we have $151 billion dollars in trade deficits with the EU. And on top of that, they kill us with NATO. They kill us. So we pay 4% of a huge GDP, which got a lot bigger since I became your president. And Germany, Germany, which is the biggest country of the EU, European Union, Germany pays 1%. And I said, you know, Angela, I can't guarantee it, but we're protecting you, and it means a lot more to you than protecting us because I don't know how much protection we get by protecting you. And then they go out and they make a gas deal, oil and gas from Russia, where they pay billions and billions of dollars to Russia. Okay? Russia. They're paying billions of dollars to buy their energy from Russia while at the same time pretending that they're an existential threat to Western Europe. Instead of buying their their, uh, energy imports from the United States, they turn around and give those billions of dollars to Russia so that we, like the schmucks that Trump says we are, can continue to, uh, to carry the load for them. So they want to protect against Russia. Yet they pay billions of dollars to Russia, and we're the schmucks that are paying for the whole thing. So then, I, and by the way, I have to say this. Since I came, which is a year and a half, almost $33 billion more is projected to be paid by those NATO nations. But it's- well, they spent $2 billion of that increased, uh, increased contribution on a shiny new headquarters there in Brussels. Uh, because you know they, they didn't have a temple built uh, to NATO that was uh, that was fine enough. They had to build this uh, this ultra modern, super swank 
headquarters there in Brussels, uh, you know, to, to entrench themselves in this, uh, this security alliance with the United States. It's not enough. Do they ever tell you that? No. No. But, but I will tell you, the Secretary General Stoltenberg is Trump's biggest fan. He said, those NATO nations are all going like this, less money, less money. Why not? And when you came in and you started talking, it went like a rocket ship. It went just like a rocket ship. So, so anytime I suggest anything, so we've gotten 33 billion, oh, it's going to be a lot more money than that. But if then they say, oh, let's see, he's angry at NATO. I guess, yeah, he loves Russia. I love Russia. I will say this, I'm meeting with President Putin next week and getting along, let me tell you, getting along with Russia and getting along with China and getting along with other countries is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. I would say for stupid people or for political people, because they're not stupid, all they are is good at obstruction, good at resisting. You know, the whole thing is resist, right? But every time it comes up, I will say this. I'm going to have to ask him this question. How bad has it been since Trump has been in? Take a look at what's happened. Take a look. at. We've just increased our military spending. We're at $700 billion. We've become a nation that is exporting energy for Exporting the first time. energy, finally. You know, we talked about forever. Uh, could the United States become energy sufficient? To, can we take ourselves, wean ourselves off dependency on Mideast oil so we, we're not, uh, you know, so um, beholding on what goes over on over there in those, uh, those crazy Arab countries? This guy did it in the period of about two years. All of these things are easily done. You just have to uh, look at what needs to be done and do it instead of being um, frozen with bureaucratic indecision and being satisfied with um, with these you know communiques and these agreements that come out of these meetings that says, oh, we're all getting along just fine, and the status quo will remain, but we're going to study it, and someday we might do something about it. No. Now, that's, that's not how a CEO runs things. A CEO looks at the bottom line, looks at whether his shareholders, and I think that's how Trump views us, the American people, as shareholders in this, uh, in this you know, great enterprise. And he's saying, well, you know, we're not being treated fairly, uh, and, and, and we've got to either change this relationship or pull out of it. Donald Tusk, this uh, incipient... Uh, arrogant uh, fop uh, that's the president of the EU uh, pushed back on some of Trump's statements uh, ahead of this NATO uh, meeting, um, speaking, uh, you know, on behalf of the European countries and NATO. Speaking on the eve, on the eve of the NATO summit here in Brussels, I would like to address President Trump directly who for a long time now has been criticizing Europe almost daily for, in his view, insufficient contributions to the common defense capabilities. What do you mean in his view? Those are the, the, the uh, commitments that these countries made. Why? What do you mean in his view? It's not in his view. It's a reality. We spend almost 4% of our GDP on defense in support of NATO, and Germany, your biggest uh, economy in Europe, spends a little over 1%. At the same time, paying for uh, welfare benefits for a million-plus migrants that, uh, that Angela welcomed in. You know, when uh, Trump met with Angela Merkel ahead of the G7, and they sat down, the first thing he said to her is, uh, you know, Angela... As near as I can calculate it, you owe the United States about a trillion dollars in arrears on your NATO commitments. That might be the reason why you see that uh, that famous photograph of her glaring uh, at uh, at the president. Back to this clip from Donald Tusk, president of the EU. And for living off the U.S. 
Dear President Trump, America does not have and will not have a better ally than Europe. Today, European Wait a second. We will never have a better ally than Europe. This is the same Europe that drugged the United States into two world wars that cost over a million U.S. lives and untold amounts of U.S. treasure. What exactly have we gotten from this ally, uh, alliance? Well, Donald Tusk is about to get to that. We have spent on defense many times more than Russia and as much as China. And I think you can. Oh, so you won't mind if we uh, if we start pulling back on some of these contributions that we pay toward Europe's defense. And have no doubt, Mr. President, that this is an investment in common American and European defense and security. Well, we're getting almost nothing from this uh, relationship. It's it's a one way street. And Donald Tusk protestations aside, it needs to be altered or the United States. Uh, needs to pull out of NATO and allow them to defend themselves. They're certainly capable of doing it, and that way we could turn our attention to other pressing national interests of the United States of America. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of America First Radio. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow night right here on Mojo 5.0. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.